Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in today. This is Aditi. And I'm Alina, recording from my apartment in Mumbai. The weather's been beautiful and the lockdown's still ongoing. And you're listening to Bitches Brew. A podcast out every 10 days where we chat about everything under the sun. So, this week we're talking about is free work work? What do you think? To a large extent, it might help to have transparency about funding and finances and the kind of money you make and the kind of money like people in the same category of profession make as you which is again a very like western concept like in india ever since i was a kid even growing up there's been so much like stigma attached to it knowing that how much people are making or pitching for if they're doing the exact same thing as you and have more or less the same experience as you really helps because i've realized beyond a point irrespective of what you're bringing to the table it's just about negotiation i'm saying this so confidently but i actually suck at negotiation so like i sold a show to this producer and um uh, another producer friend of mine was like oh so how much did you get paid and i thought that the payment was really good like i got paid a pretty decent amount for a first time right and she was like what the hell you got swindled and i said like, what do you mean i'm i'm a first time writer and she was like you should have come to me with the contract because i would have gotten you a better deal like this isn't even half of what you should be getting paid and i was like wow okay and i had no idea i had no idea how much i should put i was just like wow okay you're going to pay me that much yeah cool like i'm on board man because i didn't know how much i should ask yeah and and there aren't any resources really that address how things should be in this particular industry or what kind of pay grades can one expect there's just like zero re- resources and film school doesn't really talk about this stuff they don't really like prepare you for this kind of thing you know they're just like okay you might not get to do what you love too often but that's just the name of the game but you know i mean i think it's safe to conclude that large pockets of this industry are fairly morally bankrupt and i know our country comes with its own set of problems and we have a lot of things to take care of before we start investing in the arts and i get that but like this ugly sort of naked chase of money really can't compensate or really can't exist hand in hand with art creating art for the sake of it which is where like i feel personally that true creativity or true thought process actually lies with certain independent movements again coming out of certain regions people are finding the funding people are finding the resources making low budget films with really good storylines people understand that you don't need crores to make a good film but yes of course like mainstream bollywood or even netflix for that matter like i consider netflix extremely mainstream yeah and also just because somebody is brilliant at their craft doesn't give them leeway to exploit you or just generally be a dick it's like i don't know why as a society we've not understood that you know it's like that same thing how we make excuses for brilliant men like Woody Allen right yeah so i mean i think the two can coexist like you can be a brilliant artist but you can also be a massive dick and it's important to like reconcile those two dualities because if the money is bad in any case which it usually is let's be honest then you start looking at like other aspects of it so what are the few other things that could possibly matter you're working with people you like getting a return on your investment in terms of the things you're exposed to and the things you're learning forming like massive connections is going to open massive doors which for whatever i've experienced i've realized is a myth the only thing that really opens doors is like good work having a good relationship with people in the sense that just having a good work ethic and not fucking people over right like in again again in the west if you think of uh, shows like broad city or brown girls or high maintenance they started out as like really shitty low production youtube shows literally like somebody picked up a video cam and recorded a bunch of kids being really smart and writing really good scripts and next thing you know they become the biggest shows on hbo so i'm just wondering if the indian industry has room for something like that and not just in terms of film but also publishing so it does make me think if the gatekeepers in the indian industry or in the indian arts are ready for something like that in terms of like a broad city situation happening in india you know it's weird i feel like there's a great deal of sexism there because this whole genius bias exists so much for men that the likelihood of a you know 
of someone just like picking up male talent. It's happened a lot of times, like Anurag Kashyap or Nawazuddin. I haven't seen it happen with female. We're talent. actually in conversation with Arun Kale, Meera Ganapati, and Anjali Sivaraman, and yeah, let's chat with them to know more about their views on this. So Meera is a children's book writer and the editor and owner of the online literary magazine The Soup and she's also a creative consultant and she had a lot of really interesting insights into sort of the production as well as the publishing world. So let's see what uh, her experience has been like. A couple of publications like say even Hentus Kelter or uh, I think there's something called Nedo now and um, also the Alipur Post. I don't know how the other two function, but I know that Alipur Post curates a lot of stuff. So it doesn't take much apart from just having a sort of space online where you're not just giving a chance to yourself, but you're giving an opportunity to many others. And this whole system of payment in this case is a tricky business which you almost which almost works on your mutual understanding of each other and what you gain or uh, not from this interaction and being on each other's website so i think there is uh, an opportunity to create a culture where you promote each other's work and push for different things not from the same circle but also from outside of that and create a bigger and larger space for um, work to be seen and be pushed and be uh, you know promoted yeah that's actually a good point unless you're an actor you know wherein again it kind of boils down to the way you look and then your talent like let's be honest so everyone, we have a very special guest on today, my sister Anjali Sivaraman. Some of you might have heard of her. Some of you might have seen her um, in the Sabya Sachi campaign and a couple of ads. And uh, she's here to talk a little bit about her experience. She's been in Bombay for about five years now. And she's worked largely as a freelancer. So yes, thrilled to hear her insights. I worked behind the scenes a lot until I got my first audition and I guess things kind of took off from there and here I am. (laughs) It was all very, very new to me. When I first started auditioning, I was only used to auditioning in Bangalore and I I felt like the system was very different there and uh, this was the first time I got cast as a lead role. In Bangalore, I would usually get cast in secondary roles or uh, I would play a, you know, like background artist. Uh, the blurry people in the back, yeah, I was one of them. Um, I can totally point myself out in a couple of ads. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so it was really different. So I had absolutely no idea how to go about quoting and stuff. Uh, for my first ad, uh, it was a lead part and uh, it was the Vivo ad with uh with Ranveer Singh uh it was really exciting because you know I mean why wouldn't it be it was very exciting and uh when I came down to quoting I quoted something ridiculously low like 10,000 rupees <laughs> and um the casting director was nice enough to say listen I think you can do better this is probably a writer problem you know because I see a lot of photographers have communities to support their work but I don't see that at all with writing it's very very like inward looking and you know people are ready to cut each other down rather than help out so I wish there was this whole um, community built by writers who are of a certain established level who would encourage or give grants or create a space for younger writers to even discuss work, if nothing else. Which is why, for me personally, I think what helped 
kind of maintain my sanity was literally making a list of the things i was good at whether it was voiceovers to just writing prose to even non fiction like i don't really have any journalism qualifications but i know that i very deeply care about a lot of political and social issues that i couldn't find an outlet for in my film writing i think with the onset of the pandemic i just made a list of 15 to 20 pitches of topics i cared about did a bit of research asked help from another journalist friend on how to go about it and put together some pitches and blast email 30 places out of which like 3 to 4 converted which is not not bad at all and that's when i realized that wow like if i can sort of branch out or diversify the more i started working with editors whether it was at himal or helter skelter i realized just like how nice that was like how they were so willing to look at me as like an individual with my own thoughts and opinions and willing to work with what i had to offer rather than constantly impose their voice on it even though technically speaking in terms of hierarchy they are higher up you know but they're not looking at it that way where i was like wait so is this a problem that's just endemic to like the industry that we're a part of and i'd also attended sort of like a writing workshop last year wherein a couple of published authors were heading it and they spoke a lot about how the publishing industry is in india and the industry in india is also very much has a lot of gatekeepers for sure especially with the penguins and the harper collins and things like that but similarly there are a fair number of independent presses that will look at your work and consider it even if you're a nobody and there is a lot of focus on regional work like regional work is not looked down upon or exoticized but you know also if you look at something as any kind of independent ventures that came up in india in the last couple of years with like the boom of ott platforms or even something like uh, vice you know vice is essentially xoml everybody at vice is xoml which does make me think of like man as much as we speak about breaking out of cliques nobody's really willing to do that you know there is that slightly like tribal mentality of just sticking to the people you know and sticking to the people who you've already worked with that actually completely con- confounds me because i've had my best experiences working with like absolute strangers there's also like lesser formality there and you're just arriving at the table with like a very clear minded purpose of getting something done and this isn't even getting into the legal malpractices and how often contracts are breached like blatantly i actually worked with this really big company that very blatantly breached a contract with me knowing fully well that i was a young director and you know i definitely can't take them to court i even spoke to a lawyer i spoke to multiple lawyers actually and most of them advised me to just settle it amicably outside court because they're like you might actually get what you want in court but given the indian legal system it's going to take you like a decade and they are so big they have their own legal team and they're international and you're just like one single person and i'm like yeah that's actually true and i was completely helpless so i had to settle for what they were offering which is so sad even then there isn't a very public dialogue about this because you're all constantly like oh if i expose the identity of this person or this company i'm not going to get work again people are not going to want to work with me because i'll be considered difficult or somebody with like too many opinions i also know a lot of women who have used that position of power to exploit other women the whole like myth of the girl boss can be so like flawed and blind you know and i get it like you had to go through a lot to get to where you are but just the fact that you're in a position to affect change and then to not use it is f- so funny to me it's just like okay wow like everything you did to get where you are was actually for nothing because you are being so selfish in your endeavor like again maybe that's too idealistic but i feel like if you are in a position where you can affect change in a very like elemental way why would you not do that right like why would you not raise your voice Um and now we're going to hear from Arun who runs two online rit- literary magazines Helter Skelter and Astray the latter delves into long form interviews with creatives across India he also teaches design and has for 6 years at a French institute of graphic design and he also worked in the communications department of a not for profit artificial intelligence research institute so yeah let's hear from him I mean yeah that I mean there are cliques in pretty much every every sort of aspect of this so like I mean I've been sort of lucky enough to because of my magazines and because of the work I've been doing like be a part of different sort of 
like circles, whether it's like the art scene or like the design scene or like the music scene or like the literature scene and all like all of these spaces have their own cliques and they have their own sort of internal politics and like ways in which things move forward or don't move forward or whatever. And I mean, that's definitely there. And like, I feel like, I'm not sure if you agree with me, but I definitely feel like India is a place where, or at least Bombay and stuff, like everything is super competitive all the time. Uh, so like, it's very hard for people to like genuinely sort of collaborate and want to share resources in that, in the way that I think uh, you, you're saying. I did an ad, um, I think it was like my third ad ever, where again, it was a lead part. And this was like for perpetuity and uh, on various platforms. And I quoted, again, something ridiculously low. And this time around, the casting director was not nice enough to inform me that, uh, sweetie, this is for perpetuity. You can quote much, much higher than this. And, you know, you deserve it and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I think being a freelancer, you tend to get ripped off a lot, which is why I had a full-time job when I first started auditioning for ads and stuff, because there was no other way to support myself. Like the eternal question, and I'm sure you've heard it before, but a little bit, because it's such a consistent thing, and it's something I think we all as women navigate on like a daily basis. How do you sort of circumvent or navigate or on like an emotional and in a very tangible sense deal with the whole boys club thing? <laughs> I only work with women. Like everyone on my team is a girl. But that's not a great thing also. Like sometimes I have these girls who are working with me. They're like, can you get another guy on board? So we have a man's point of view as well. But uh, we always hear a man's point of view. So I don't think that's very important. But anyway... No, I think it should be fair in, um, like, I think this used to affect me a lot when I was in advertising because obviously there it's all like, I remember somebody presented a script um, and uh, she happened to get her script through and there were comments about how her shirt buttons were open a little lower and it's like bullshit, you know, like this was very common conversation and people would laugh and they would rate each other and it was ridiculous. So this was not very normal uh, until I think three years back. It was completely normal to speak this way and be perceived a certain way and battle it constantly, even unconsciously. But um, when you're working on your own, this is a blessing because you don't have to encounter that kind of um, behavior at all. But of course, it happens every once in a while because sometimes I work with my husband as well and he uh, and I decided to go on a... Uh, you know, to meet a client who assumed that I was a secretary. So it's going to come at you no matter when or how. And, you know, sometimes you can you can just laugh at it or sometimes you can get pissed off and fight about it. But as a freelancer, personally, I don't encounter it as much anymore and uh, as I used to. And also, I think uh, getting older adds a dimension of seriousness which used to be something I struggled with. Like, I wouldn't be taken seriously because I was younger, which doesn't happen to me anymore, which is, a, which is very sad if it, if it does still happen, you know? Hmm. So how much of a balance really is it between managing people's egos and being good at what you do? I am an extremely honest person. And uh, this works in my favor and also works against me because I'm not very good at stroking people's egos. I'm polite. I've been brought up to be polite and respectful, you know, you know, dad. <laughs> but <laughs> so I'm a very polite and very respectful person until I find that I, I, I'm being disrespected, you know, because... Uh, I don't know. I'm all about even ground. Unless, unless obviously I'm speaking to someone who is my senior, I don't expect to be on even ground with everyone. But I do, respect, I, I do expect like mutual respect. So um, I don't know about the whole ego thing. I, I go on to the job. I'm 
myself. I um, I don't know. I try to keep a smile on my face because the one thing I've noticed is that if there's even one sour grape out there, uh, the whole cast and crew gets affected by that energy. And the second they are affected by that energy, it's just it just changes the whole mood, you know? It just changes everything about that shoot and it's not enjoyable and then it just becomes tedious. It's not fun, you know? And I believe that the workspace should be fun. It should be fun and enjoyable because we're doing something we're so passionate about, you know? We're working our asses off for what? We shouldn't go on to set to feel miserable. So I keep a smile on my face. I'm polite and respectful towards everyone. I try not to throw any tantrums. <laughs> try being the keyword there. But uh, yeah, yeah. So there's no stroking egos or anything like that. It's just respect. I believe in respecting people. Um, I was saying for you personally, do you have you managed to kind of move away? in terms of your identity, as far as your creative output goes? Because firstly, I tend to consistently identify my own self-worth with how much I'm creating, for example. And I know some people who struggle with that. So is that something you also struggle with? Or do you find it easy to disengage and be like, you know, even if I don't create or do anything for a month, I'm fine. I'm still as valuable and as interesting as I was a month ago. So I think this depends on what you did last. <laughs> so sometimes you do obviously you've done something you know is a good piece of work or it's, it's probably going to stay with you for a while and you do feel comfortable uh, enough to take some time off but it also kind of goes back to your question where it reflects that your self-worth is dependent on what you did which is a very dangerous uh, thing place to be in because um, and which I'm also learning only now especially now like like we were talking about the pandemic and how it's affected uh, lives and stuff work-wise and obviously it, it has affected my work in the sense that I cannot shoot anything because all of my shoots were on like documentary and you know meeting people who are completely unknown and those kind of things so I can't even think of doing that and I know personally a lot of photographers who lost a ton of work and yeah, so and it's it's only now slowly coming back to kind of how it was. So in those months where work had to sort of change its meaning and you had to readjust your expectations and work around what was possible, it was like uh, six hours a day where you're, you're only doing chores or, you know, getting stuff done. And then you have four hours to actually do your work. Now, if you're going to, and by the time you get to work, you're like exhausted mentally also. So there you have to go a bit easy on yourself. I think that's what the, this whole situation has taught me personally is that you can't base your value on what you made last or what you created because nothing is any way permanent, you know. There will be something else that will happen. You will change as a person. You may look back on what you made and cringe, you know. So it's, it's a constantly evolving process. Yeah, exactly. I agree. You know, also kind of the kind of sort of company you keep, like I'm lucky because I went to a media school and then I went to a film school. So like my network is very much people who are actively creating and are out there and trying to put their work out there as much as possible. But there was definitely like a two to three period in my life where I was in Delhi in my early 20s where I was just languishing and using this whole like artistic impulse as an excuse to just like drink and smoke and not really do much. You know, and just be like a lazy, almost junkie. So, I mean, again, that's a bit of a stretch, but it is something to consider. It's like, how much do you really want to do this? I mean, you should want to do this enough to be able to sit your ass down and get to that paper or get to that, picking up that camera and shooting that little video, irrespective of how inconvenient it might be. I think that onus will unfortunately lie on you time yeah. again. I was you talking know. about this with like like an artist friend of mine who studied at JJ School of Art. So he was saying, you know, like whatever people like a lot of the popular illustrators and artists that people follow on Instagram uh, all have a similar kind of background, let's say. But 
like when he studied at JJ, there were like people coming from all parts of the country, like from villages, small towns, and they were like really, really skilled people. Like they could, they were better than anyone in the city, and they really knew their craft really well. And they used to teach the other people because like the teachers weren't very good. So I mean, just because they now they don't have or don't like have the opportunity to put in the time to create like a persona for themselves online, like. I'm sure that means they lose out on a lot of work that they would have otherwise been deserving of. When I first started out, I felt like that all the time. I feel like that a lot of the times now as well. Where I'm just like, what? No, I can't quote that. But isn't that too high? You know, it, it like what if what if they think I'm some kind of snob and they don't want to work with me because we've quoted something like that? You know, so there's there's a lot of times where. you don't give yourself that credit because you're so afraid of losing the job you know there are so many people coming into this city every single day but then that's when the whole reputation aspect comes into play that's the reason you are a certain way when you go on a job you have to you know be respectful you have to be nice to be around like pleasant to be around you you know you can't you can't be a terrible person and expect to get all the work because um that's when networking comes into play and i learned that recently right in the beginning i used to be really really afraid and i would do jobs for like very low amounts because i was afraid of losing out on them and i was bullied into taking a job um where i know i could have been paid higher and that happens a lot that happens to a lot of people uh to be honest i don't really know i mean for me the very fact that it's it's online it's curated to an extent um i don't really think the very fact that the minute it goes online or it's being sort of transmitted from you just like any piece of information whether it's a piece of film or a book even to a huge number of people i think the idea of authenticity starts changing or shifting you know like um it's a whole idea of putting something out there and then letting someone else decide whether it's authentic or not so while it might resonate with a few some might just deem it the fakest thing in the world so i don't really think it's something that as creators you can have uh, that much onus on although that being said i also think it's a very personal journey right it's kind of like something you at least for me i'll only speak for myself that it's something you uh i sort of check in with myself to see if i am putting anything out there that i don't um subscribe to on a personal level and i try my best not to do that but like there is that element of censorship that comes in right so the minute that exists i suppose it isn't the most authentic it can be because i was extremely vocal about everything that's been happening in the country past couple of months since last year and very recently once this podcast stuff came up i stopped posting too much about that i was like yo you know i'm just going to shift my attention to like promoting my creative project at the moment so for a lot of people who were following that they might consider that inauthentic right but to me is it's very much a part of who i am i think it's a kind of uh, it, it it's a hit or miss as a writer particularly because on one end it's also sort of shallow if you think about it it's like you put your put a photo of your face versus something you wrote and uh, it's like i mean i don't know i, I sometimes think of it as a social experiment but of course if it's a photo of somebody's face there are like thousand comments and whatever you know and where is and versus when you actually write you know and uh, i mean obviously the interest is only limited to the few people who actually care enough to read you know so i do see that but by and large i would say it's an amazing thing because without it i don't think i could have quit for instance quit my job so the fact that you can start a magazine for without any investment uh, or capital and basically depend on the power of an idea for instance or the power of uh, like similar like minded people 
enjoying the same things that you do to reach out to a wider audience which eventually peters down into a lot of work is is a is a great thing it's a liberating thing and like i think alina said uh, even i don't really like um, networking i find it very very stressful and uh, for people and i think most writers are like that they just don't want to hang out much so <laughs> it's a pain <laughs> so that whole uh, stressful thing of oh god i have to go in here and you know i have to and obviously when you're talking face to face versus when you're writing you're a much uh, somehow more articulate person when you write um at least for me so um so i love the whole medium of social media and of course like it has to be balanced because it can also uh, get a bit too in your face uh, in terms of people's opinions so if you're writing the whole uh, act of writing has to be separate from performing so you shouldn't be writing for those people who are reading you you have to ultimately write for yourself so that can be a bit tricky i think then are you pandering or you or are you actually genuinely writing with honesty so like for instance i think twitter is kind of disgusting because of that because everything you write everything you comment everything you tweet is to is to be is to be noticed as a funny or interesting or intelligent or you know witty person and it's not always i mean it's it's not the right way i feel there is i would find instagram a slightly more honest medium in that sense it's all performative uh, behavior you know so you might not even loathe something with the kind of anger that you're approaching it in a tweet but it's all very very aggressive or very very uh, hilarious so i don't know how to put it exactly but i just feel like the medium can also help you uh, cultivate a better social media habit in sense this family that uh, you're automatically given more uh, opportunities because of Uh, contacts and because of the knowledge that no matter how much work we give this particular person you know because aiding and deing not an easy job uh, it kind of require you to be on your feet all the time on very little pay yeah so they you know they have that reassurance that oh no matter what this person will still survive so you know that's over the rich kid you know i <laughs> it's really cross way to say something like that but i feel like it is a thing that cities like bombay in a way have kind of usurped our imagination of what it means to be creative or what it means to be successful creative right like you feel like you have to sort of get into this hyper capitalistic lifestyle in order to be a successful creative person when in fact a lot of it kind of takes away from the creative process you end up having to churn out work at an impossible rate instead of actually taking time to perfect it or to explore it like i i've never had problems like being creative in bombay like I, i was born there i've grown up there actually like felt this quite strongly i lived in pune for a couple of years which is where i met you for the first time and uh, every time i used to come come from pune to bombay like eventually i noticed this like big change in energy that used to come for me i remember like this one very stark moment where i was stuck in a rickshaw in a traffic jam in bombay and i still felt like this insane sort of urge to you know like i was thinking about like this one creative project i had and i had this whole urge to like get started and like think of ideas and stuff which is something i never sort of experienced in pune i'm not sure why that is but just being in a space sometimes uh, makes you think in a certain way bombay is very restrictive in how in how much you have to do to like just get by i mean constantly so even before the job at the ai institute i was working at the college uh, i had a pretty hectic schedule because i was a teacher and i was running two postgrad courses there and at the same time i was doing like both my magazines and freelance work and stuff like that because the college didn't really pay enough to not do freelance work so i mean that was really hectic. like those five or six years just trying to juggle all those things just burnt me out pretty badly uh, and The, the sad thing is like in bombay despite doing so much it's really hard to have savings at all <laughs> so i mean you're doing all of that work just to sort of stay in the same place and not fall back or like get into a place where you can't sort of where you lose all momentum basically 
And that can happen like really quickly if you're in a place like Bombay, if you just have a couple of bad months. Uh, and if you have no sort of support to fall back on, like you can, it can really set you back along. Yeah, there are there are there are people who can't live without the noise. I feel like I fall right in the middle of that spectrum, though. I um, I enjoy the hustle and the bustle, but in limited amounts. I also enjoy getting away from it all and living my life. You know, traveling, seeing beautiful things, and like meeting beautiful people, and you know. Uh, everything in my life it's 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 not going to revolve around my work and i i made this conscious decision like last year uh early last year when work started picking up i made a conscious decision that my life is not going to revolve around work because if it did uh, i don't know i would like i don't i don't know how i would survive that so yeah there has to be some kind of balance especially with the pandemic what do you feel uh what has it thrown up like do you is there i don't want to call it a problem area but something that you'd like to do differently moving forward i mean it's thrown up a lot just in terms of like the tremendous amount of uncertainty that's suddenly come up in terms of like just your security in terms of work or like you can't even have goals that are more than like a month or two months away now <laughs> because you just i mean at least i can't like there may be people who are like better off who can but uh because everything is so uncertain now in terms of work or like the economy or like even generally in terms of healthcare and stuff like you just don't know so there are then questions that come up right like how much money is enough money like how much should i save like all of this stuff really sort of starts weighing on you uh like normally like the projects you would sort of let go if a client were in touch with you and if the fee was too low or if the project wasn't interesting enough that normally you would let go but now you're like can i really afford to say no to this i mean if you are someone who tries to balance like their sort of personal creative work with like paid work like this i'm sure like it has put everything sort of maybe not on hold but at least uh, on pause for a bit until you figure out your financial situation because i mean creative projects like like whatever you do whether you're making a film or like you're making a comic book or like you're making a magazine or whatever it is like it's like they aren't cheap like there's a lot of money that goes into it there's a lot of time that goes into it and and i've i've spoken to a lot of people who've had plans for this year like people who are going to go and study abroad or like people who are on the verge of starting like bigger projects and things like that who just haven't been able to and i mean that's really demoralizing also right because if it's something you really look for look forward to for a really long time and then you build up to it and make sure you're in a space where you can finally work on something and then it just doesn't happen for reasons that are out of your control like it's quite it's quite shit <laughs> just by the nature of any sort of creative project I don't really think you get to choose when you can work on it if that makes sense because uh and if you're doing like a day job or like multiple day jobs to like support your creative projects then you have to sort of you have to you're forced to work at a time that is convenient to all of these other things right like so for example if you're someone who likes working like in the afternoon but you're at a job in the afternoon and you're forced to work late at night like it's not going to happen like it's quite difficult to sort of put yourself in this space not to mention you may also just be like really tired at the end of the day and you may not even though you may want to work on something you may not just be able to so that is like a real like a constant struggle also because like at some level you also know that if you have the time you would probably let's say like take a month to finish something but just because you have all these other things going on that you need to do to support yourself uh sometimes it can take like a couple of years even to do like really basic things and it can be quite frustrating it's something i definitely consider my ultimate goal is to move abroad i mean outside bombay but i feel like i've been so focused on building a career here that i have let the other dreams slip a little bit my plan was to um 
build a base here, you know, become established in modeling and acting here, and then take that with me internationally. Because at least then I would have, you know, a portfolio to work with. For me, it was more about uh, accepting not having a job for some reason that was really disturbing to me that I'm not going to an office anymore. And it was more of a self-worth thing rather than um, rather than giving up one or the other. Because uh, I think I used to struggle with the fact that am I really doing the right thing? And am I, I'm not making as much as I used to. What if everything goes for a toss? And therefore, I would pick up these ridiculous projects that would pay me well, but they were, they were not giving me any happiness. In fact, they would give me, I mean, they were just a pain. Like they would eat up the time that was reserved for the fact that I'd quit to do something meaningful. You know, so it was, and I think that's all, again something that happens to women, because I, I would picture this as something to do with I'm not living up to my potential, or I'm wasting opportunities by not going to work, or you know, I'm staying back and falling back or lagging behind. Whereas I had to kind of put myself in a different, I had to angle myself to think, okay, no, this is actually a great thing. This is a privilege that I can quit my job and I can start something on my own. And I don't need to think of it as, um, you know, I have uh, sacrificed my career. That's not what happened. So it was hard to make sense of those things at that point, because I was also like, yeah. So like I said, I went back to work because I just couldn't make sense of it. So it was a trial and error and uh, the compromise that I had to make was like, yeah, taking up like really big, huge projects, which my heart was not into and then giving up what I really chose to do. And this is a learning process that you can, in fact, do things that you love and make money from them. Exactly, exactly. I mean, again, it's about having that timeline as well, right? Like I, I know a lot of people like, my friends who I went have a discussion with, they're like, oh, you know, I'm going to turn 30. I haven't really put anything out there. I don't have any artistic work out there. And I'm like, who's creating these timelines? Like, you know what I mean? It takes a lifetime, if not more, to be able to create something of worth. And unfortunately, through our media or through sort of the news that we consume, we're constantly confronted with like young achievers or the concept of young achievers that I just really don't buy into because they're not the norm. They're essentially the exception. So having the humility to accept that it will take time and it's important to give yourself that time. Like that is the kindest thing you can do to yourself. And another thing we don't consider is that a lot of these young achievers come from tremendous privilege. Like if you're looking at Mark Zuckerberg, for example, but like all of them come from places where they've already been propped up to do well, right? They've been can't take away from their achievements, I'll give you that. But the fact is that they already have all of this stuff working for them in order to be able to achieve so much at such a young age. You can't say that a Xavier Dolan made a film at 20 because he's a genius. I'm sorry, but there are several geniuses out there. Xavier Dolan had a system in place that enabled him to make a film at 20. Very, very important to acknowledge your privilege and sure, take advantage of your privilege all that you want. But you need to understand that you cannot put undue pressure on yourself because you don't come from the same privilege. And I'm as guilty of this as anybody else. I'm constantly berating myself for not having achieved enough at my age. I do have to constantly remind myself that, okay, I didn't have certain privileges, right? And I'm somebody who comes from great privilege, sure, but I didn't have a certain type of setup in order for me to be able to achieve those things at that age. I'll do it in time. I'll do it in my own time. And that is just as valuable. And then we, again, it goes back to this whole knowledge a notion of not being, not valuing the craft itself, where it's about putting out more quantity of work at a younger age, rather than doing something that is truly genius and truly spectacular at whatever age, you know, having achieved the highest standard. We don't value that anymore. But that's the thing it's happening around the world. It's happening world over where you're seeing these young billionaires like Kylie, for example. And it isn't 
much about the fact that she's achieved a high standard in makeup. It's that, oh, she's this young person who's made a lot of money, you know? So you're not really looking at the value of what she's put out there, that, okay, she's created something that's accessible, that's rather you're looking at her worth as an individual who's managed to make so much money in such a short period of time. And we see that in film as well. That's a major problem with the world today because we've stopped paying attention to quality. So I wanted to know if you've had any experiences where you've ended up doing free work for people believing that it was a good opportunity. Like quite a few. Like, so I used to do like some free work for bands. Uh, I remember like this one time I was doing this album art for a band that is pretty popular. I won't name them. Uh, but I mean, they told me like they don't really have much money to pay and it'll be like a fun exercise to do it. And I kind of bought it. And on that same evening, I was sitting in their sort of apartment and working on the artwork. And I heard this guy getting on a phone call behind me with some gig promoter talking about, no, like we have to get paid at least a lakh and a half and stuff like that. So I'm like, clearly they do have money. (laughs) But I mean, by then I'd already agreed to do it. So like, yeah, I mean, stuff like that has happened. I've done free websites for people. I've done speaks to privilege as well you know like i feel like at least these days if you want to get into a creative field you have to have some kind of privilege backing you up otherwise the struggle is something else entirely these days right it's the disparity is so much major major deja vu's of all our conversations ever Um, but although although they were always like a bit like um, almost like a mockumentary because we'd be sitting at like a posh sushi bar in Bandra like bitching out hyper capitalism. So I guess that's Bombay in a nutshell, you know, like you can't escape <laughs> everywhere. Most definitely. I think, see, I think money is very important. Obviously, money is very important. I it's It's not like I don't care about it at all. But then if an opportunity presents itself to you, and it's a really good opportunity for your career at that time. And um, the pay isn't fantastic and there's no scope for negotiation. I personally would still do the job. I mean, if if there was absolutely no scope for negotiation and like I knew for a fact that there wasn't and... Um, it was still like a really good job that I did not want to miss out on, I would do it. Because at the end of the day, it's the it's the art that matters more than the money. Um, if you're doing the job for money, you're doing it for all the wrong reasons, you know? I mean, if it's something you're passionate about. Like when it comes to the field of art, you need to be passionate about what you're doing. Otherwise, it's pointless. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, like I think it really comes down to like you said, like what your priorities are and you determine sort of what you want to get from it. Like I have friends who are designers who are like very sort of aggressive about approaching freelance work in terms of like I have this one friend who will literally at the beginning of the year make this whole Excel sheet and saying like, you know, this this is how much money I want to make this year. So she'll just like look at that Excel sheet every month and just take on projects, keeping in mind her goal of like how much money she needs to make. So that's, I mean, that's one kind of person, but that's quite rare. Like, I don't know too many people who work like that. And she doesn't do anything outside of that. That is, as in, so it's not like her day job. And then she also does something else. This is everything she does. So makes sense for her to do that. And also like her brother works in finance and stuff. So I'm sure she gets like tips from him, but yeah. Uh, for people juggling like two or more things, it becomes a lot more difficult. So for starters, I'd like to thank Mira, Anjali and Arun for coming on this episode and chatting with both of us. This was a great chat. I hope you find something useful out of it. Thank you so much for having me on. Like I really had fun talking to you guys. And I wish more people would talk about this more often. Yeah. After an enlightening chat with Arun, Meera and Anjali, 
Um, I don't think Aditi and I are any closer to reaching a conclusion about whether free work is in fact work at all. What I do know is that for me at least largely uh, being a part of the creative community and um, working professionally as a writer and a director for a couple of years now, uh, I think it's pretty much a necessity for me to create as often as I can without constantly worrying about the outcome and or perfection for that matter. And I think those are two things I end up struggling with. But I think I've covered pretty much everything. And like you said, it's interesting because every guest that we've spoken to up until this point has a very sort of unique perspective on this. And there are a few things they might agree with us on or they might sort of um, intersect on. But largely they've had their own approach. And for me, it speaks to like this larger idea of people expecting people in the arts to sort of pursue things a certain way and like people expecting certain absolute truths. But that's really not the case. I think as an artist or as a freelancer, as somebody who doesn't work for a corporation, your journey is as unique as the people out there, you know, so. I hope that this particular episode has also made you think a little bit about like your hobbies or your side hustles and how they correlate to your main source of income and just I don't know you know think about things like negotiation and privilege uh, when it is looked at from the lens of work and what it means to you. Uh, Aditi and I would definitely love to hear your stories about what your experience has been like in the artistic community or even outside please reach out to us at write to us bbrew at gmail.com you can also find us on instagram at bitches brew india we hope you tune in for our next episode where we discuss the vogue of mental health and how that can be counterintuitive and just anything really that you'd want us to chat about don't forget to like leave a comment and share